morning, church. My name is Pastor Scott. Super excited to be with you this morning as we begin this journey, Sustainable Faith. Your title this morning, we're going to keep it simple, Sustainable Faith, Week 2, Bible Reading and Journey. We're talking about the Word of God as people of God going on a journey to God. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for the moments ahead. We pray that you'd open the scriptures, open our lives. We want to hear from you. We want to experience you. Or teach us, even this morning, as we're refocusing on the spiritual disciplines, how Bible reading can really be the fuel for the road ahead. In your name we pray. Amen. Keeping it simple this morning. Uh, Bible reading and journey. If you've been coming for any time, you know that I'm a sucker for a good adventure story. I love stories of real adventures. So, you know, River of Doubt, we've talked about in this space before. Theodore Roosevelt's down, the South American River. The Endurance, we've talked about several times. Ernest Shackleton in, in Antarctica, on the road. I mean, that, we're people of journey. And I love reading stories, real stories of real adventures. So much so that when I was in college, I studied American travel literature to finish my senior project. And then I had read all these words, but I wanted the words to have an experience attached to them. And so I said, man, I, I need to go. Like, I've learned some stuff, but until I go on a journey, it felt like the learning wouldn't really take root. And so I bought a van. Uh, 1984 Westphalia, there she is. There she is. There's the Great White Hope, we nicknamed her. Uh, 1984 Westphalia van. This is uh, in Montana. This is also this outside Yellowstone. This is 1984 with the staged picture with the fly rod. Do you like that? I'm just... Just hanging out here, fly fishing in Yellowstone. It's cool. And, uh, you know, that, that was the van. That was the tool. That, that was my van. Uh, you might not know this. AAA uh, has, when you're a AAA member, you get five free toes a year. I had used those before even hitting North Dakota. So the journey is never easy. All right? The journey's never easy. But until we go on a journey, the learning can often just stay in our head. Now, in this sermon series, what we're going to do every single week is we're going to look at an internal practice, something that affects your journey with Christ, and an external practice, something that affects the lives of others. So we're going to pair two relatively different uh, spiritual disciplines together so that our faith is always influencing us and influencing others through us. So today we're talking about Bible reading and journey. Now, I mean, I went on this epic journey around America. It was incredible. Later on, uh, just a couple years ago, I homeschooled. My wife and I homeschooled our kids. They've been studying America. We want to do the same thing. So we borrowed uh, an RV from people from our congregation, very generous souls. And we went out in America, three weeks, family of six, living in an RV, drove to the East Coast. I mean, until you go, you don't really know. You know what I mean? And so we experienced it. And of course, I mean, I could just tell you travel stories because every journey is fraught with a ton of difficulty. But as you go, the learning takes root. The greatest journey, though, friends, because I'm, I mean, I told you, I love, I'm a sucker for an adventure story. I'm, I'm you know, someone that really likes to take adventures with, with my family, with my friends. But the biggest adventure of my life, without a doubt, has been my journey with Jesus Christ saying yes to the Lord at 17, and going on a journey, just following Jesus. And it's been fraught with both difficulty and great beauty. The journey started when I was 17, just before 18. I went to a Young Life camp called Woodleaf in Northern California, and there a speaker read the Word of God in a way that I had never really heard the Bible spoken about before. I was raised in the church near God, but didn't know God. I don't know if any of you can relate of you know, times where you knew about God, but you didn't know God. And there at that Young Life camp, as the leader spoke God's words, I felt the Spirit open me up. And so I said, God, I want to follow you. And my life changed. 
changed. But coming home from camp in those days wasn't like these days. Now when you come home from camp, they do a Bible study every night. And they do all this community because they know when you come back, it can be kind of jarring. For me, I came back. I went back to work. Flew to Canada. Uh, went back to work. No friends. No community. No, no Young Life programming. What did I have for, for this new faith in Jesus Christ? I had the Bible. Oh, yeah. I, I think I own one of those somewhere. And I opened it up. And for the first time, just shy of my 18th birthday... God's words were different because the Spirit of God was in me. And so the, the fuel for the journey towards Christ has been and always will be the Word of God. I told those two relatively different uh, storylines hang together, the Bible and journey. Now, I know for a lot of you, you hear journey and it kind of cues you up to like 1980s rock band, right? Like you can almost hear it like you're back in high school again, back in, Yeah. Yeah, and now all day long you're going to be hearing that song. I'm sorry, I just had to do it to you because we just laugh about it. Like when you hear Journey, you're like, oh man, you know, just a small town boy, you know. <laughs> Choose a different word if you need it. Choose adventure. Choose uh, journey. Choose uh, epic life. Choose something where your faith is moving you somewhere. Because as you know, core theology here is this. Our lives are measured not what we aspire to, but what we do. And so the word of God is meant to be for us a map, a guide, changing, challenging us. I'm going to preach about that in a moment for all the places we're going. Towards Christ, with Christ in us. And that's our big idea this morning. That God writes one big narrative of Jesus Christ in all of the Bible. And as we journey, we find our place in the story. We find our place in God's great adventure. And so the transformation we hunger for is result to revelation. That is the word of God. And so we need to saturate ourselves in scripture if we want to have strength for the journey ahead. Let's take a look at the first point or outline, that we inhale the Bible. We, we digest the Bible because study equals encounter. That a God's people, again, all series long, we're going to pair an inhale and an exhale principle together. So we inhale the Word of God. We're starting with this discipline on purpose because it's the most foundational principle as God's people that we are inhaling the Word of God, that this is where we encounter God, that the Word of God is God's truth. It's revelation from God. Romans 12, 2 says that we would be transformed through the renewing of our minds. And so healthy discipleship is a combination of both orthodoxy, that which we believe, orthopraxy, that which we practice. How do we believe in God? How do we know God? We listen to sermons, we, you know, we go to Young Life clubs, or we, you know, we hear other people speak about it, but no, we're meant to be disciples engaging God's word ourselves. Now, for those of you, many of you in the room are, are a disciple, you've been a Jesus follower for a while. And so you're like, all right, yeah, I'm comfortable with this language. Some of you are not. Some of you are just like flat out in a place or season where you're not sure where you believe, where you're at in the path. I want to encourage you that God's word is meant to be engaged as a place for you to begin the journey. And it's not a place where we go once we're fully formed disciples and like once you're an expert in following Jesus, then you start reading the Bible. No, the encouragement is that the Bible is meant to be a guide and a challenge for us. Now, 2 Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy, his kind of leader of the next generation of church. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, that's, 
that, that equipped for every good work, that's powerful language there. You'll see that in a lot of like church mission statements. Well, we're equipping the saints. Are, you know, are we equipping? But you know, more than a church staff or the mission statement of an organization, the word of God's purpose is to equip us. That we are literally getting, getting the tools we need for the road ahead. Equipping us. Now, for many of us, we've been engaged, we've been told, oh, you should read the Bible. It's like, all right, I'm Captain Obvious. It's like, we've been told that for, since the beginning. For those of us raised in Christian homes, you should read the Bible. It's like eating kale or something, right? You know, but it's like, no, but God himself wanted us to engage his scriptures so that we would be changed. That as we read scriptures, listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. Hebrews 4 says this, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, this is more contextually appropriate than first generation because people are carrying swords. Now, it penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now, that's pretty powerful language. I'm in for that kind of, that kind of work. Where, where do I get that? It's the word of God. That the word of God does the, 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 the study of me. It's uncovering me. It's laying me bare before the eyes of God himself. And oftentimes, in our more modern construct, we turn to scripture and we use our own experience as the Bible. And then we want to we find something that fits. Or something that connects. We say things like, well, you know, what are you reading that actually kind of, you know, because our experience for many of us kind of takes preeminent focus in our lives. And so we, you know, many of us, we read scripture at times, but it's hard to connect to. But what the work of scripture is meant to be, is it is the foundation that our lives are meant to be laid on top of, or, or the authority that our lives are meant to come under. So when we're reading God's word, we're not just like, oh, does it feel good today? We're literally getting formed. We're getting shaped. We're getting laid bare. And that's powerful. Because all of us in the room, I, I mean, I don't care if you've been a believer for 40 years or four minutes, all of us in the room, we want transformation, right? We want, like, we want to be our best, we want to be the most Christian version of ourselves. We want to be like, the, remember that moment when you were like all that you could be? Like, that felt good, right? Like, I want to be that guy or that woman all the time. Well, where, where do we do that? How do we get that? And that's where the word of God does that work in us. So as we're people of the word, we can just rest in that. We don't have to freak out all the time and try to be super. No, as we're reading God's word, the promise is that it would be shaping us. Okay, so I've told you officially so far, nothing. <laughs> like, you know this, a couple of Bible verses about the Bible. You should read your Bible. All right, it's like, all right, we got it. But, the, you know, why is it? Why is it that for so many of us, that reading the Bible or listening to Scripture, being shaped by Scripture, feels so divorced from day-to-day -day life. Or we're getting good routines for a while, and then we just kind of follow it. We get busy. Even some of us, many of us, we get busy doing good stuff. We, we, we get busy doing God's stuff. Well, of course we can't read your Bible, God. We're out trying to change the world. You know? But the, like, we miss it. Because we were ordered from God's word and Jesus, who was the word of God himself, we were constantly given the promise that we should be shaped by scripture. How do I know? Well, there's a Bible story I want to tell you. Now, in the Bible, you know the story of, of the Exodus, where, you know, Bible history, Moses leads people, uh, you know, into the promise, well, you know, through the desert, Moses doesn't get to enter the promised land, remember, because of disbelief. 
and because of testing. And so the entire story of Israel in the desert, 40 years, it took longer than it was supposed to because they didn't trust God and didn't trust his word. They kept trusting him and then they would get hungry. They got, you know, tested, you know, trusted him and then tested him, trusted him and then got thirsty. They used their own experience to doubt the existence of God's truth. We all can be guilty of it at times. And so Moses takes the nation of Israel right up to the edge, the doorstep of the promised land, he dies, and then Joshua enters in. And Joshua is, you know, it's, we're there, we're in the promised land. We're taking new cities, you know, milk and honey, the, you know, the, it's like the inspiring stories, the old guy Caleb, there's still, you know, the hills to take, and, you know, we love those. It's like the brave heart of the Bible. It's good stuff. But what happens there in the promised land is, is that people slowly get away from God's word. I mean, they're in the promised land. They don't need to read words about the promised land. They're there. And they get busy. You know, having godly families and defeating people that God wanted them to defeat and going to the temple and doing the stuff of religion and, and doing godly stuff, they thought, but they slowly drifted from God's word. And there is this tendency for us to drift. Remember in Hebrews, the writer says, may we hold fast to the word so that we do not drift. We tend to drift if we're not aligned daily by the scriptures. And so by the book of Judges, which comes after Judges, there's this autonomy of humanity where they're, they're speaking for God, they're doing God's work, but they're not actually being shaped by God's word anymore. And it got so bad that in Judges 21, it said, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That without the word of God as our authority, we tend to drift. We tend to make ourselves our own king. We tend to put ourselves on our throne. How do you know you're worshiping God? He says, read his word. Engage the word. It's meant to shape us and challenge us and, and, and be our authority. And so in Judges, the, the, each one is their own authority. They're no longer being transformed. They're being conformed. And, and, and they lose their, their place. They lose their way. How do we recover? Well, there's this king, 2 Kings, Josiah. 2 Kings 22. Like, the kings started to rule Israel, and they'd gotten so far away from following the word of God, they didn't even know where God's word was. God's word at that time, obviously, they didn't have printing press before Jesus. They have the Old Testament. They have the law. But the law lived in the temple. They couldn't even find it. Like, the kings had gotten so bad and so far. Read, read Second Kings if you want to just see what humanity is without the word of God as authoritative in our lives. Because with power, we write our own tickets. And our own tickets oftentimes are not to the glory of God. That's why we need the Bible to be constantly shaping us. And so Israel drifts and they drifts and they drifts until 2 Kings book, uh, chapter 22, they, they, they found God's word. Literally a secretary is like, hey, good news. It's the word of God. What's this doing here in the temple? And they bring it to the king. And luckily it's a good king, Josiah, and it changes everything for them. What does? The word of God. For, for the bad kings, it changes everything when they find God's word and put it back in the center of society. Start to read it. Start to have worship services where God's word was, was read over people. And Josiah was a good king. And then God says this, 2 Kings, verse 19, because you are responsive, says the Lord, I have heard you. And so reading the Bible is, is not meant to be a guilt trip. Or, it's a resistance movement. It's a resistance movement to a phone constantly pinging in our ear that there is bad news for you to anchor your life by. I, I, have, you know, like in the new iPhones, I don't know any Apple users, like that news feed that comes up on the far left, 
I, I was driving along. I was at a stop sign, probably. And, you know, I'm like looking at my phone. I was, I think. And, uh, you know, it's like, like the news thing. And so I, literally, I was like, swipe right. Like, I don't want, I don't want to be anchored by that right now. Because I, I know my, my king is, is in bad shape and, 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 and the, you know, the powers of the government and, you know, media moguls are doing horrible things and, and, and what's happening in states and, and natu- you know, natural disasters. And it feels like there's a surge of bad news. And so when our phones or our news cycle or our social media become the anchor to our lives, we're lost and hopeless. Where does the hope come from? It's in reading the scriptures of God that says there's a big, long story. And even if it feels like you've been in in the desert for a while, there's a promised land coming. And and there's this Jesus who can heal you. Like we need the word of God, not to feel guilty or, or some sort of shame. No, no. The word of God is meant to change us. And this is the counter for the bad news we face on a daily basis. It's our resistance movement. When we go to it and go to it often. Richard Foster in his book on spiritual disciplines. He says that sheer repetition without even understanding at times what's being repeated does affect the inner mind. And so when we go day after day and open God's word. And some days it's just Tuesday and I'm in lamentations like I don't know but I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to stay in God's word. Then it starts to come alive in our lives. And starts to be authoritative and start to shape us for the journey ahead. Four tips that I want to kind of lift up to you here about Bible reading. I want this to be practical in this season. Paper or digital, pick one. Pick one for the season ahead. What's your season? I don't know, a week, a month, the next three months? Pick one. There are great resources on your phone. I'm a big fan of having a paper Bible where you can mark question marks and underline and it can be its own roadmap. What works for you? Stick with that. For so many of us, we, we, we have the death by option. So many options, and we were going to read the Bible as a family once in a while, and then we got busy, and, and then I was going to do this thing with my spouse, but, you know, that's hard. You know, and then we just, we kind of drift. Paper or digital, just pick one for you for the season ahead. Tip two, don't leapfrog. Like this thing that we did when we were like, you know, uh, yes, okay, no, no, I'm in 2 Samuel, nothing here. Yeah, you know, no, it doesn't work. Don't leapfrog, because you miss the context. You miss the nuance. Get in a book and start to work your way through it. I know that some days it's just Wednesday or it's Friday and it's not connecting, but that's okay because the word of God has power to shape you even when you don't know you're being shaped. And the repetition is moving you even when you don't know you're being moved. So just don't leapfrog. Tip three, listening does work. You know, one of the forms of learning is auditory. So those of you that are in a bus, in a car, there's some wonderful apps. Uh, there's some wonderful, you know, listening. We, we use as a family this thing called Pray As You Go. It's about a 10-minute devotional, some scripture, a little question. The Bible in one year has an audible version. Find what works for you in your life in this season. If you're going to be a person of the word, find listening works if that works for your lifestyle. And the last thing is find, you know, there's great apps. Both New Bible and New Version have Bible study plans. They have uh, references. If there's something you don't understand, you can read it in different versions. When God asked me to start the church, one of the first things he asked me, and I did, you know, that's a different story we talked about a month ago. God did ask me to come and help start the church. When God asks you to do something, you do it. All right, we should do it. And one of the first things that I really knew I needed to do, I need to get saturated in scripture for fuel for the road ahead. Not out of a guilt trip, but because there's just so many things I didn't know. And so, I was busy, Uh, I was a seminary student, business owner, new father, but I knew if I didn't get up and read the word of God, it wasn't going to happen in my life. Like for me, 
about 11 o'clock at night, if I lay down in my bed, like narcoleptic, I'm just instantly asleep, you know? So I'm not much fun to hang out with at night. But at 5 o'clock in the morning, I'm a pretty good time with a cup of coffee in my hand. So I just, like, I just got up early, and I bought a parallel Bible, which laid out the message next to the NIV so I could read it in modern English. But then you also had, it's a parallel. They have some side-by-side. It doesn't matter. There's a million tools you can use. But for me, I just needed to read the Word of God. And so I got up every morning, and I got up every morning, I got up every morning, I made my way through the Bible, and then I did it again, and then this thing happened. A repetition was born. A hunger was built. My life was changed. Not because I was so holy or good or whatever. No, because the Word of God came alive in me when I spent time with it. Church, hear me very carefully. A church without the Bible is no church at all. We need to be people of the Word. I want to encourage those of you that are like, yep, I know, I'm there, I'm doing it, whatever. Okay, be encouraged. Be challenged if you've been in a long season without the Bible. You need it. You need it more than a pastor. You need it more than your community group. You need it more than a church service. You need God's word. Okay? And, and oftentimes, just want to encourage you, it's small steps will make the biggest difference in your life. There was a research uh, study done by organizational behavior folks. They did it in Pittsburgh and in Ireland. Uh, those things don't seem to go together with me, but this is the two places they did this research. They came into an office complex, say, what really changes people's lives? And so these organizational behavior research study in both Pittsburgh and Ireland, they came into an office building, they found 12 people that were morbidly obese. They had not worked out since high school, they were way off the beaten track of what health was. And they came to the sixth floor, they found these 12 people with the help of supervisors, and they said, good news, Christmas came early, you want a free a free lifetime subscription to the health club, which was across the street. In addition, because many of you don't know what you're doing, we have paid for one year for unlimited training sessions. For you, just do it. Go for it. It's right there. Go. Yay. You know, 12 people, sixth floor. Got it. Okay. The researchers walked up to six more floors to the 12th floor. They gathered this 12 people with similar demographics. Obese, not working out, unhealthy, bad heart rate, you know, blood pressure, you get it. And for those people, they gave them nothing other than a request. Hey, we've got a request for you, they said to the people on the 12th floor. We'd like you to walk out, out into the stairwell during lunch, and we want you to go up just one flight of stairs. And then each day, go back out to the stairwell, walk one flight of stairs, and take one step. Not a whole nother set of stairs, just literally one step. And then go back to your desk. The whole thing takes like six minutes. But then the next day, if you could, they asked, go back to the stairwell, add to it one more step. You get the point. And then they waited. And they came back in a year, and the people with the free membership across the street and the the trainer and all that, their baseline of health had not moved. Because they were given a gift that they didn't necessarily put into play. But the people on the 12th floor that were literally just asked to just add a step each day, man, they were getting healthy. Their heart rate their weight drop, their cholesterol, because routines of health had been built step by step. The life that we hunger for in Christ is not one of huge leaps and bounds. Oftentimes, it's just in small ways, every day, reading scripture. Got it? We're good? Bible? Okay, let's take a look at the second point. The exhale is the journey. Step by step is the way towards Christ. And when we say journey, and I'm not going to play it again, I'm sorry for doing that to you once this morning, but we're just talking about putting into practice that which I believe to be true. There's different types of journey. There's geographical, there's vocational, 
There's emotional, this is a big one for many of us in the room, or there's spiritual and intellectual. Like, because when we journey, we trust God more. And I don't know which one of those might be encouraging or, or challenging to you this morning, geographical, vocational, emotional, or spiritual. But when we journey, we step out in faith and say, God, I need you now. So for me, when that got really practical was when we did start the church seven years ago. Some of you were in the room. It's like, what were we thinking, right? We, we got a trailer. We had a live stream of Richard. That's all we need. And a little community center. And, and you know, a couple nights before we launched, there was a, a launch party. We set up the chairs. We strummed guitars. We had pizza. We said, on Sunday, this is where everyone will stand. It's excellent. And I kind of looked like the guy that was in charge and did a lot of this. And then I walked outside, and I stood under the sky, and I was mad. Because when we are forced to trust God, and some of us in the room, this really resonates, sometimes we get angry. I say, God, you've made a mistake here. You've, you've picked the wrong guy. I don't know all the Bible stories. I'm not done with my theological training. I, ha I have my own stuff to do. Like, what are you thinking? And I'm like shouting into the darkness. And then I got on my knees and I prayed. And friends, what happened in the beginning of the church and what's happened for seven years isn't, this, isn't the res responsibility or the result of just me being a really good leader. No, the Spirit of God has done a work to build a church. But no, for me as the leader, it says I stepped out on a journey that God says, now you got it, now I can work with you because you're finally ready to trust me. You're finally ready to be led somewhere. And when we get into places, emotional, vocational, geographical, spiritual, when we're in places where like, God, I need you to do a new thing. I'm trying to go somewhere. God, I want to put the word of God in action in my life. I know I'm measured by what I do and not just what I aspire to. God says, now you're ready to walk with me. And I will never let you walk alone. And there's this amazing story out of Luke 24. It's amazing. Luke 24, Ruth read it to you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to it. It's the Emmaus journey. And friends, I, I wish I had another hour with you, and you're like, not me. I'm glad I'm going home watching football. But I'm like, I could just, we could go, we could deep dive on this. Because when you do a Bible study on the Emmaus Road, it's amazing. Because on the Emmaus Road, there's two disciples, Cleopas and another that doesn't even have a name, likely his wife, maybe his buddy, doesn't matter. They're on the road. Jesus has been, has been killed. Jesus resurrected. They don't believe that yet. And they're out walking, and Jesus goes for a walk with them. He asks them this question, what were you discussing as you walk along? One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know these things? And Jesus is like baiting him, what things? You know, what? And Cleopas, they're on a walk. Now, this is what happens when you read the Bible. This only can happen in the Bible. You can't make this stuff up. Because like, oh yeah, it's resurrection day. There's probably a press conference. There's certainly a church service. Somebody in a, in a plaid shirt is probably given a great sermon about Jesus Christ. No, 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 no. No, what's happening? Jesus goes for a walk. And he's walking, with, uh, he's walking to like Jerusalem or to Rome. He's going to take power. No, he's going to Emmaus, which modern scholars don't even really know where it is because it's so insignificant. Huh. Well, he's certainly like with his key guys, right? We understand like the key guy thing, like his, in Young Life, we have our three key kids. Like he's got his key guys, right? It's Peter, James, and John. He's like breaking down the, the game plan. No, he's with Cleopas and someone else. You're like, hmm, I don't remember Cleopas. 
And you won it. Because Cleopas doesn't matter to anyone else except for Jesus. And they're walking away from Jerusalem. They're walking from the place of resurrection. They're walking from the place of hope. They're walking from the place of restoration. They're walking from the place of of encouragement because they can't see what Jesus is already doing in their lives. And I'm sorry I'm a little excited this morning, but I don't know if this is easy for you to relate to. How often am I walking in places that I can't even see Jesus show up yet? Because I'm so, I was hoping, oh, I was hoping it was going to be all different. You know, I'm in my own pity part, and Jesus says, I'm already with you as you walk seven miles to a no-place town. It's a three-hour walk. And he didn't leave them the whole way. And then they finally see him. When do they see him? When do they see him? There's you have Bibles. He breaks the bread. And then they see his scars. And so often when we see Christ through his brokenness and then his resurrection, then our own pain and discouragement starts to make sense. I, I spent three hours with him. And Jesus does this Bible study with them out as he's walking. It says that, Jesus started with Moses, and he just told Bible stories. Because the whole Bible, I know there's pieces that might feel confusing for us. Where do we tie into? Every bit of it, it's one story about the Son of God who came for us, the people of God. Walking on a journey, Jesus says, I will never abandon you. He tells them Bible stories, and he's with them, and then they're changed by it, and then they head back into town and they got to deal with their stuff their journey changes when you encounter the word of god you don't just keep walking i was hoping no no when you encounter jesus then it transforms us and i head back into my emotional pain i head back into my vocational discernment i head back into my geographical uncertainty i head back into whatever journey jesus has for me because the word of god has come alive in my life because of him and my life can never be the same Oh, that's the road to Emmaus. The journey is the transformation where we put into practice that which we've consumed. Jesus says in John 5, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These scriptures testify about me. And so this Bible is always meant to be the guide where we on our journey are coming under the authority of God to learn more about who Jesus is and what he's doing in our life. That we would be transformed to be changed. This is the journey that he's calling for us. Four tips I want to give you on this journey. Because I recognize it's not a lot of handles on it. It can feel a little bit distant. Some of you this morning need some concrete stuff to hang on to. Four tips I want to lift up from, from the journey. Number one, be brave. If you wait till you see the whole plan, you'll never go. If Abraham waited till he had the whole plan, he's still in Ur. If Moses waited till he had the whole plan, he's still in the desert. Paul is still scared. Peter never gets out of the boat. You've got to be brave when the Lord lays something on your heart. Be brave. And know that God will be with you. The word of God will be in you to take you into the new spaces where he can use you. Tip two, go slow. So often we talk about journey, people are like, oh man, let's cross the Jordan, let's start a church, let's, you know, and oftentimes, man, instead of crossing the Jordan, some of us in the room, we just feel like we're circling Jericho, and the walls are not coming, tumbling down, and the situation is not changed, 
and I'm still needing God to do this thing. But whether it's circling Jericho or crossing the Jordan, go slow. And know that God will be faithful in, in the long story of your life. In that seven-mile walk to a place named Emmaus, Jesus slowly told them Bible stories. Go slow. Tip three, live the journey before you, not others. So we can so often, we do death by comparison. My gifts aren't their gifts. Their journey seems easier than our journey. Why is it so much harder for us than them? God says, stop and live the journey that I'm calling you to. And finally, Tip four, when the fear comes, maybe it means you're in the right journey, not the wrong. When the conflict comes, maybe it means you're in the right marriage, not the wrong. When it gets difficult, maybe it means you're in the right job or ministry and not the wrong. Amazing story in Exodus 14. I don't have time to go into all of it. They're crossing, crossing the sea, and Moses is like, God will show up. God will fight for you. He's doing his encouraging things, and he goes behind a rock, and he's like, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? In places of fear, God says, now I can use you. Now you're on a journey where, where the words of God could come alive in your life. The words of God are the inhale practice where we see the revelation of God. Then as we journey, we get to put those words in practice where the stories come alive. We went back to our 20-year reunion last weekend, back to Whitworth. Very, very cool time for me personally, just to kind of look back and to look forward. We got to have lunch on Saturday, Heather and I and the kids, with the, our mentor in college, the man that married us. Amazing man. He was driving a vehicle. I've spoke about him before in this room, where his mother, his wife, and his daughter were killed while he and his other three kids lived. He wrote an amazing book about grief called The Grace Disguise. He's a theology professor asked to walk the most difficult journey. And sometimes those who God trusts the most are those that have difficult journeys to walk that's some of your story in this room so over lunch jerry was kind of telling us about those early years of recovering from grief and told us a particular story that really came to life for me he told the story of his son john who was two when when the car accident happened and then when john was about seven the the grief came in new waves and he wasn't sleeping and he was having tremors and and kind of coming out of his bed and all this anxiety and all this fear and it seemed unlikely because Jerry kind of figured, man, the grief has kind of passed for a while, and it's not. For those of you grief survivors in the room, you know it comes in waves. And so this little boy, some five years after the loss of his mom, is struggling for hope, struggling to even survive, anxiety, all this and that. They end up on the couch tonight. His father's holding him. And then his son says, he says, Dad, I can't remember her. Like, you guys all have all these memories, but I have nothing. And I feel like I'm losing her. Will you tell me stories? And so the father, with his son in his arms, he told stories of his mother's love for him, of him being the beloved of his mother and the, and, and the joy. And Jerry said something amazing happened. As the stories were being poured out onto John's life, his body, memory of his mother started to wake up. He said, I, I never, up to that moment, I couldn't remember anything, but as you started to tell me more and more stories of my mother's love for me, my body memory woke up. It was like it was trapped in my bones. And this little boy who's now a grown man, he said, it's the most profound theological moment of my life when my dad just told me stories of my mother's love for me. Friends, the story of God's love for you exists in this book. May you be people of God's word. May you encounter a radical love meant to transform you. And may you be shaped in the journey ahead. 
these stories are the fuel for where Christ is taking us as his church. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you so much for this morning, for these words. Thank you for what you're doing in this community. Thank you that so many of these disciples are in places where they want to walk with you, Lord. We pray against discouragement this morning. We pray against hopelessness this morning. We pray, Lord, as we practice the disciplines, we don't hear the voice of condemnation or shame, Lord, but we hear your word encouraging us. And, and Lord Jesus, we want to be people of your word. So whatever the format and whatever the timing, whatever, you know, Lord, it, would you encourage us as your people in the week ahead to dig deep into your word, to, to get anchored and start to remember these stories? And would you fuel us now, the road ahead for these people, Lord, it, it's, it's tough. I mean, we got new geography and new vocations and so much emotional stuff we're working through and spiritual places we're trying to conquer. Some of us are crossing Jordan and some of us are in the, in the desert and some of us feel like we're circling Jericho. But Lord Jesus, the God of the journey, would you walk with us, change us, open us up, May we trust in you more and more and take new ground in your name for your glory in this city, we pray. And all God's people said, amen.